Welcome to the Imagines Podcast by Prophet Adam Judas Kujo. God is raising a people for the last days. Trained, equipped, and deployed with the revelation of His Word and truth to represent His life in all the nations of the world. Today's episode. The next, the next question says, Why is discipline difficult for some children of God? And why is it hard to kill fleshly desires in your heart? That's not what you want, but your acts are the opposite. Well, I feel like Jesus says something in Acts chapter 1. He said, verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, um, that they should wait in Jerusalem for the promise which he told them of the Father. He, they heard of him talk about the Father. Then 5 says, John baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And verse 6 says, when we were gathered together in one place, they came to the Lord saying, Have you come to restore the kingdom of God to Israel at this time? And in verse 7, he says, uh, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has reserved in his power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Now, he didn't say you will go witnesses. He said you will be witnesses. You will become evidences. You will become pictures of this resurrected life. You will become um, specimen of verification of this new realm I'm bringing you into. And, and and from that statement, you can see clearly what Jesus was trying to say. In, in Luke chapter 24, the verse 49, he told the disciples again that they should tarry in Jerusalem until they are endued with power. In other words, the, the, the Christian life cannot be a life of a Christian without the Holy Spirit. What that means is that everything you ever do, everything you ever bear, by no man's strength can he prevail. In 1 Corinthians 15, he spoke about how that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So what that means is that if you try to use your effort to be disciplined, you are no different from the person that Paul spoke about in Colossians 2 as will worship. It's called will worship. You are, you are using your will to worship. You are, you are voluntary worship. You are, you are using your effort to worship. And it becomes difficult because the life we live, listen, the master waited for the spirit. Luke 3.21, the Holy Ghost comes on him. Appears as a dove. A statement is made from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Luke 4, 1. He's led after he's baptized into the desert to be tempted. Luke 4, 14. He now is returning in the power of the Spirit. So tell me where even Jesus Christ, Acts 10, 38. He says how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. That he went about doing good and healing all that were present of the devil. So even Jesus did ministry with the Holy Spirit. He lived the, the life that we ought to live with the Spirit. And he said, this life I've brought to you. You cannot be a witness. You cannot be an evidence that a life like this exists without the Holy Ghost. So Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of food and drink, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the whole experience of the Christian is in the Holy Ghost. Outside the Holy Ghost, you can't be a Christian. You, you, it can't work. You are just being religious. You are not yet a Christian. That's why on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, he came to encapsulate the church with his power and his glory. Do you know Jesus told them to wait? And when Jesus waited, he came from the grave and came to tell them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
and they received with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost came upon them because he had resurrected. But when he ascended, he said they should tarry for power from on high. So without the Spirit, you cannot. And that's why Romans 8 said it. That the one who does not have the Spirit is none of his. And neither can be. You are not his. You are not his. Romans 8, you know, verse, verse 9, verse 10. He said, you, if, you are no, if you don't have the Spirit, you are none of his. And you cannot be. You cannot be. You, so it's the Holy Spirit that makes you the Christian. So when it comes to the matter of discipline, it, discipline is simply a fruit of the Spirit. People don't know that. It is called temperance. Enkratia. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27, it says, everyone that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 29, 27, it says, everyone who is looking for the best, the mastery, is temperate in all things. The Bible says he's self-controlled. He's the word template is his discipline. And he used the scenario of an, an athlete. If an athlete is going to fight a, 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 a what do you call it, a fight, or is going to run a race, they have to be strict on certain diets. They have to have a strict training regime. That's temperance in all things. So those who want to be masters in life have to exercise something called temperance. And that temperance is actually what we call in English language discipline. And by that temperance, we enter the discipline which makes you, from that same word discipline, a disciple, a follower. So without the Holy Ghost, it's going to be hard. Because listen, Jesus Christ was physical on the earth and the men followed him to become. He said, call them to become. He said, follow me and I will make you. So it was their following of the Lord that made them. Now Jesus is going to heaven. We, we, Jesus is not around again. So he said in John 16 verse 7, that it's expedient that I go. And when I go, I'll send you the comforter. So when the one who will replace me, he said, if I go now, it's good. Because when I go, I'll send you the one who will replace me. And he, he will help you. And when he comes, he's called the helper also. He is going to help you to maintain that discipleship posture, even in my absence. So it is by the Spirit we are able to harness and operate as disciples of the invisible Christ. By the Spirit. So without the Spirit, discipline is not going to be possible. You need the Holy Ghost. That's why many people, so people don't rely or, or, or kind of wait for the Holy Spirit to be able to stay in that discipline. Now, having said this, it now brings me to the second question. Why is it that the, 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 the good you don't want to do or, you know, you are struggling to do good things and the right things? It's, it's simple. Paul said it, wretched man I am, who shall deliver me from this bondage of sin? Because Paul said it in Romans chapter 7. You know, that I've realized it from verse 22. He said, he said, the body is dead when it comes to the spirit. For, for, for. He says, there's a war in my body. Anytime I want to do something right, I'm captured. Then he says in verse 20, um, chapter 8, from verse 2, he says, For the law of the spirit in Christ Jesus has made of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So it is the law of the spirit, the operation of the spirit of life that gives you the energy to live rightly, to be able to war against your flesh. Because James said it in James chapter 4, that the spirit lasted against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Galatians 5 says that the spirit and the flesh are at war. They are at enmity against each other. The two of them are not in agreement. No wonder he said in Galatians 5.16 that if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh or the last of the flesh. The word shall not is the highest double negation in the Greek language, which is ume. 
That means that if you walk in the spirit, you shall in no wise under any circumstance at any event walk or fulfill the desires of your flesh. That's what he says. So the moment you enter the spirit, it will be easy to deal the flesh. That's it. Because Romans 8.13 said it clearly. If you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. So what he's trying to say, in fact, when you read the original text in Romans 8.13, the original text is saying that anytime you are living in the spirit, every time you do anything in the spirit, the flesh dies further. It's reversed also. The more you do things in the flesh, the operation of the spirit is hindered further. It's a simple thing. So the more you do things in the spirit, the more you mortify. Say you mortify. You mortify the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. It dies further. So the more I stay in the spirit, the more this thing goes far. The more this thing is buried deeply. Buried more than six feet deep, 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 deep in a casket. So deep. By the time I want to even remember how the flesh lives, I have no memory of it. It's difficult. That's why you find people who backslide and they're like, they're angry as God. They go to a club and they want to buy. They, nobody in the club is seducing enough. No alcohol. They, they, they want to drink alcohol, but there's no appetite to taste. Even when they even taste alcohol, they vomit it. Meanwhile, too, they, came to, they came to violate their body because they've buried the body too far. But when the body is not buried too far, because you live in a little spirit, then two weeks you do flesh. Then one week you do spirit. The flesh is very close to your spirit. So at any time you can switch the barrier. And you are in the flesh again. So please, it's by the spirit. There's, there's no do's or don'ts. It's by the spirit. And what's the spirit? The spirit says sleep, sleep. The spirit says pray, pray. The spirit says eat, eat. The spirit says fast, fast. As long as you keep obeying, this body will be dying further. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. The next question says, thank you so much for this opportunity. I would like to know the relevance of water baptism in the new covenant. How important is it for how important is it to us believers? And is it okay to just have the Holy Spirit baptism? Oh, glory to Jesus. Wonderful question. Um, one of the things I'll say is this, that in Matthew chapter 28, 18, 19, 20, Jesus gave clear instructions. He said we should go into the world and preach. In verse, in verse, in verse 19, um, in Matthew, 28 verse 19 it says we should go he has given us all we should go into the world and preach make disciples of all nations and um, if you read it in the king james it says make disciples of all nations and it says baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost now somebody says this baptism is actually the baptism of the holy ghost well i'll show you something in acts chapter 10 you know acts chapter 10 peter had gone to the house of cornelius and when he went to the house of Cornelius, something interesting went on. The Bible says in verse 44, While Peter yet speak, these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And the circumcision and the uncircumcision believed. And the Bible says, were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Then the Bible says something very powerful in the next verse. I see what verse 48 says. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. They prayed them, him 
they prayed they and, and then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So what the scripture was trying to communicate to us was this, that baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is one name, and the name is Jesus. So the disciples baptized in the name of Jesus. But the baptizing in the name of Jesus was clearly different from the baptizing in the Holy Ghost. Clearly. In Acts chapter 9, also prior to this, there was a certain apostle that had been arrested by the Lord. He cried, Lord, Lord, why have thou come to persecute me? Uh, it, the Lord said to him, Lord, Lord, why are thou persecuting uh, me? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are thou, Lord? That's what Saul said. Then Bible says that Ananias was told by the Lord to go and pray for this man called Saul. And when he went, the scripture said that he went and prayed for him. Skills fell off his eyes and something remarkable happened right after that. The Bible says in verse 70, Ananias went and entered into his house and putting his hands on him, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto me and the way as thou camest has sent me that thou mightest receive the sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now see what he said, verse 18. He said, immediately there fell his scales of his, of his eyes and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Next Verse 19, and when he received meat, he was strengthened and he went certain days. So when you check it very well, now he's talking about something very remarkable. Now this apostle was the one who came to baptize, you know, the man of God that is poor in this regard. So the operation of God was the baptism plus that of the Holy Spirit. Both are important. Both are very, very important. Very, very important. And the reason I say what I say was Jesus himself said, he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay, so there is water baptism and there is Holy Ghost baptism. The Holy Ghost baptism came on the day of Pentecost and that was what many times we said. And clearly in Acts chapter 10, we could see the difference. When in, you see chapter 8, it's like it follows clearly 8, 9, 10, even 11 was a repeat of the story. So in 8, when the, when the um, Ethiopian eunuch understood, he said, this is water, what prevents me? And immediately Philip baptized him. So it was something that was done in the early church. That was a practice. The day you believe you are baptized that very day. They are baptized that very day. Now, this water baptism is so important because the Bible spoke about a type in regards to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians 10, 1, sorry. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant of how our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Verse 2 says that, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So there was a baptism unto Moses. The Bible also spoke about a kind of baptism in the days of John the Baptist unto John. But there's also a baptism unto Christ. And that baptism also was what Jesus said. At this time, you don't baptize in the name of Moses. You don't baptize in the name of John. You baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in the name. So the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, the verse number 44 down to 48. 48 says that, and they baptized. Peter baptized. Verse 48 says, and Peter baptized them in the name of the Lord. So they baptized unto Moses in the old covenant. In Before Jesus came, they baptized unto John. But in the days of the new covenant, we baptized in the name of the Lord. But this is where I want your mind to come to. First Peter 3, verse number 10. Go down to verse, verse 19, actually. First Peter 3, 19. And you see something remarkable about what God was doing. He said, Jesus Christ, when he had died, went to preach also to the spirits that were in prison in hell. Then 20 is the part. With some time were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. By the end there. Verse 21. The life figure. Whereunto even our baptism. 
doth also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience to God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when you read in the Passion Translation, he talks about how that baptism saves us. He says the prophetic picture of the immersion now saves you. Not a bathing of the physical body, but rather the response of a good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he says there's a kind of baptism and it is a picture, a prophetic picture. It's a prophetic picture of the salvation that brings the clearing and the washing of a pure conscience. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, it's a cleansing or washing with pure water. Okay, there's a cleansing and a washing by pure water from an evil conscience. So, if you check even the history of baptism, you will notice that one of the things that happened in the restoration of the lost truth of the church was the baptism theory. So, after the coming of justification by faith by Martin Luther, the next people who came around were the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists. And they brought, the word Anna means again, or repeat, repeated baptism. That means after the child baptism, there was another baptism that was to be done. And that was what they brought as truth to us, a baptism by immersion. And that baptism by immersion is the principle by which Israel was liberated. So the prophetic picture is this, what 1 Corinthians 10 talked about. Israel left Egypt. And whilst they were leaving Egypt, they have been delivered from Egypt because according to Exodus chapter 12, Passover has occurred. They have been delivered. They are moving to their promised land. But as they are going, what they have left is following them. But it is in the sea that what is following them is totally washed away and killed. So the prophetic picture of water baptism is, I have left the world, but the world might, have, might not have left me. It is by the principle of water baptism that worldliness or the things that were in the world that track me down is washed away from my life. It's a prophetic symbol. It's a prophetic symbol. The Bible says it does save. It's a kind of salvation that comes through water baptism. So it's important you understand. I know many Christians who are born again, the Holy Ghost is in them, but the things that they run away from, from the world, the things they've been brought from, from the world, still has something on them. So it still tracks them down. And sometimes it's because of the absence of water baptism. So water baptism has what, that's what Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And it is likened to the principle so it's if you find it in history also you will notice that during the persecution of the early church one of the things that was asked that indicated a total severance from the roman empire was baptism so they ask you are you baptized the moment you say yes your punishment is different so you can say you're a christian but if you're not baptized in the ancient rome you were let to go but once you say you are baptized it means you have totally washed yourself from the citizenry of rome and you have become a citizen of the heavenly cosmopolis that's what it means. So baptism is so important. A Holy Ghost baptism is powerful, but like I give the story, whatever you left in the world might still track you down because of the absence of water baptism. So water baptism washes you and cleanses you. That's why he said, a pure conscience that answers to God. Hallelujah. The next question says, please say, I have been asking the Holy Spirit to help me hear him. To date, nothing. What do I do to have the Holy Spirit speak to me and become personal in my life? Number one, I believe that according to John chapter 10, every child of God or every sheep hears the shepherd's voice. And I believe that it's not a matter of you don't hear the Holy Spirit. I believe that it's a matter of what you think is the Holy Spirit. 
Now, if you been reading the Old Covenant, there was a thunder, there was lightning, there was a whirlwind in the days of Elijah, when Elijah went to see the Lord. But in that operation, Bible says, the whirlwind passed, the thunder passed, the lightning passed, the earthquake passed, the, the, the fire even passed. But the voice of the Lord came as the still small voice. Now, in the New Covenant, the way we hear God is a little different. Okay? We hear God from inside. We don't hear God from outside. From inside. What that means is that many times you hear God as though it's your mind talking to you. That is why it's so important that you allow the Word of God to become the means. That's why it's so important that you allow the Word of God to become the means by which you hone, wash, and intensify your antennas to the voice of the Spirit. So, if you are asking the Holy Spirit to talk to you and you don't hear anything, then it's perhaps what you want to hear or the way you want to hear that is creating the issue. But truly, the Lord speaks. The Bible says the Spirit speaks expressly. First Timothy chapter 4. The Spirit speaks expressly. Chapter 4 verse 1. The Spirit speaks expressly. So, there's no day the Holy Ghost is not talking. He's talking every day. He's talking incessantly, continually. But the point is that it's like a radio station. If you don't tune into the frequency of the station, you might not get it. I'll give you a typical example. The Bible says in John chapter 4 that God is spirit from 24 and they that worship him was worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible also speaks about in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 and verse 3 that I, John, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard the voice. Verse 3. It says, I heard the voice. So if you are not in the spirit, you might not hear. You might, he says, I heard the voice in, in, in Revelation 4, 1 to 3. So you see, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard the voice. I heard a voice. So if you are in the spirit, you will hear. You will hear. That means that uh, if you are asking the Lord to speak to you, what do you do after you hear his word? After you are, you've prayed that prayer? Do you go as your day normally and respect the Lord to just? No. The Bible speaks about it in Isaiah 40 verse 31. Waiting on the Lord. You wait. You wait. You wait till he speaks. But you see, when the Lord is speaking, he speaks into your heart, not into your ears. He speaks into your heart. Why? John 7, 37, 38. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And that spoke of the Holy Ghost. So if, if you are not in that position, you might not hear exactly what the Holy Ghost is saying. So you have to put yourself in a position where what the Lord is saying, you are, you are in the spirit, you are in the frequency by which you can hear the things the Lord is communicating to you. And as you are in the spirit and you are in the realm where God is communicating, what he has communicated to you, you don't miss out on his communication under any circumstance. So you make sure that your spirit is tuned, properly tuned to be able to hear what the Lord is saying. And once you're able to do that, I believe that he will speak and he's been speaking. But perhaps you don't hear from the inner witnesses, the witness, you want to hear an audible voice from without, but you are not born again and he's in you. He says you hear his voice. So if he says you hear his voice, then there's a way you have to hone that ability to hear his voice. And it comes by waiting. It comes by scriptures. The Bible says Psalm 29 that the voice of the Lord is upon many waters. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.26 also that you may cleanse it and wash it and sanctify it by the washing of water, which is the word of God. So the word of God becomes the place where you hear God's voice. He's been talking. He talk, When you don't hear him speak to you directly, sometimes he speaks to you indirectly from scriptures, from pastors, from parents. He speaks. He's always speaking. So you just have to make sure that you are still enough to see and detect his voice. 
And once you're able to do that, I'm sure you will be able to begin to find out that, wow, he's been talking all this while, but perhaps you have not been paying attention. Amen. I believe you were blessed by this episode. Please find the full message on YouTube at Ephesus Gathering. You can also find Prophet Adam on Instagram at Official Prophet Adam. Please note that it's a verified account. The Lord bless you.